Evil 1-1, we have a visual on your position. We have enemy movement 300 meters to your south. Enemy troops in the open. Small arms and RPGs, you are clear to engage. Roger, Evil CP, we are TIC. I say again, we are troops in contact, requesting air support. Stand by for call for fire. Solid copy. Troops in contact. Be advised, air is red at this time. Repeat, air is a no-go. You're on your own. Dig in and give them hell. Give them hell. Give them hell. Welcome to the Dogs of War. Hosted by Stephen Houston. What's up, everybody? This episode of Dogs of War podcast is brought to you by Relentless Tactical. Relentless Tactical makes all kinds of firearms accessories, everything from holsters to hoodies. But what their bread and butter is, is their concealed carry belt line. They were nice enough to send me the ultimate concealed carry leather gun belt, and I absolutely love it. No shit. I wear it every single day. I carry all my pistols with it, many different positions, and it retains to holsters, and there's no sagging, and I absolutely love it. It's one and a half inch, 14 ounce premium full grain U.S. leather badass. And they offer a lifetime warranty. Check them out at relentless.com. Let them know Dogs of War sent you. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Alpine Arms. Alpine Arms is a special forces unit member and police member training source located in the heart of Eagle, Colorado. They specialize in all kinds of training opportunities. They do classes with pistols, rifles, night vision, long range, tactical medicine, field craft, anything and everything they offer it. And you're going to get the Colorado experience while you're doing so. On the retail side, they have a really nice gun store. It's a small boutique gun store. They carry everything from Aero Precision, Arsenal Democracy, BE Myers, Vortex, Ops Course, Staccato, Nighthawk, Salient, you name it, they got it. POF. Q, let us invest in yourself. Alpine Arms can be found at 50s Chambers Ave in Eagle, Colorado, or online at alpinearms.com. Last but not least is our newest sponsor, which is Hardhead Veterans, also known as HHV. They are known for their ballistic helmets and all the accessories to accompany them. It's a veteran-owned and operated company. What their bread and butter is, is their Gen 2 ATE ballistic helmet, and it is a level three ballistic rated super high cut helmet. It's honestly the most comfortable helmet I've worn. I've worn more than probably four or five different ones, at least, and it's priced around 400 bucks. It's the best value on the market, and they also offer a level four up armor plate system that will make your helmet rifle fire rated. Use the code Dogs of War for a discount at checkout. Well, let me back up a little bit. If you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy what you're hearing and you want us to keep producing good content, please go into Apple Podcasts and rate us. You just click on the star. You can even leave a review, even if it's one letter. That's how we're going to take this podcast to the next level. We want to get featured in the top 100 and the history and the government channels. So please, 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 if you like what you're listening to, go ahead and rate us. Now, all the mumbo jumbos out of the way. My guest today is a former United States Marine. He was an infantry rifleman. He served with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines out of Camp Lejeune. He did one enlistment. He served two combat deployments to Iraq. He was blown up a couple times and was in many, many, many hair-raising firefights. Once he got out of the Marines, he moved and lived in Argentina for about a decade, marrying his girlfriend and having children, starting his family. 
He's now living back in the States, but hopes to soon return down South. So we go over everything from his military background and experience. And we also talk in depth about the state of our union and our country and current events and including the pandemic. So this is a great episode. I, I had a really good time talking with this gentleman and I hope you guys all enjoy it. So without further ado, give it up for the great and powerful Lauren Merluzzo. What's up, Luzo? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, sir. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, thank you. I know it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to do and takes up some of your time, but uh, myself and the listeners probably definitely appreciate it. So Absolutely. It's my first podcast, so. <laughs> well, glad to pop your cherry. <laughs> yeah, you pop. So, uh, <laughs> Basically, uh, here in the beginning, I kind of do a little lightning round. I'll ask you a few questions, you know, nothing crazy. But uh, if you had to choose, what would your favorite everyday carry pistol and caliber be? Ooh, probably a 1911, 45. Really? Yeah, absolutely. No shit. Cocked and locked, huh? Yes, sir. Wow. Why is that? Probably for the history of it. It's always been one of those uh, kinds of pistols I've admired. And uh, I actually don't own a pistol, <laughs> but okay. um, if I was to have one, I'd probably have that. Awesome. Yeah, well, you kind of live in a, a state that's not the best for people's gun rights, I've noticed. Oh, no. Terrible. I don't know what they put those. Uh, I don't know what they're called with the rifles. They put them on the uh, they pin the stocks here. If so you, you have can't a like have a collapsible. Stock, and they also put something on it where at the trigger with the handle. So it makes it so you can't actually put your fingers on on the actual handle of, of uh, I don't know what it is. So, dude, that's insane. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's getting yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, good thing there's no crime there though. That that you know that shit works. I'm, I'm really impressed. Good job, yeah. New York. You guys fucking figured it out, clowns. Uh, they're getting more draconian by the day. Well, it's gonna come back to bite them in the ass eventually. But um, all right, moving on. If you had to pick one place in the whole world. Where's your ideal vacation destination? Ooh, that's difficult. Probably, uh, I'd love to go to Spain. Always wanted to go there for the history. And I don't know, it just seems like a really, uh, really open place. Well, yeah. not these days, but right, you know, the well, culture. <laughs> my wife is uh, half her family's from Spain. The other half's from Costa Rica. So she actually has a uh, European passport. So eventually, maybe one day I could get citizenship there too. She definitely sweet. do it. I'm trying to yeah, get in no. Argentina. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, you know, the only thing holding me back from moving to Costa Rica full time, a, is, you, I can't really make money down there. You have to be like a doctor or something like that to like really have a decent living. Yeah, and be their their laws and shit when it comes to self defense, like in your home and stuff like that, are a little not up to date. Like you can't really do anything to somebody if they come into your house and until they hurt you. So I'm not, you know, I'm not down with that. No, I don't imagine. I think uh, the United States is really one of the only countries in the world that still allows people to own firearms, I believe. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some places in Europe you can own them, but you have to leave them locked up at like a club and uh -huh. you can have like a shotgun or a hunting rifle, but not pistols and shit like that. And I mean, that's that's what they want. That's what they want. And eventually it's going to happen here, is my opinion. You know, the people that the masters of puppets, you know, that's their goal. And guys like us who are like, no, fuck no, you're, you're not fucking with us, you're, you know, and our rights are, are standing in the way. We're the biggest thorn in the side of the globalists. Yeah, it's getting pretty Orwellian. Yeah, for I sure. I can't believe it, but 
No, it is, man. And you know, but um, if you had to pick one, what would your favorite cereal be? Probably uh, Frosted Flakes. Classic. Ooh, I haven't had that one yet. Nice. I mean, I've had the cereal, but nobody's hit me with that one yet. I like Frosted <laughs> Flakes. I think Captain Crunch would probably be mine or Cocoa Krispies. I honestly haven't eaten cereal in like probably four or five years. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I eat eggs and sausage and uh, like mushrooms and shit a lot for my, my breakfasts. It's kind of me and my wife's little thing that we do. And honest, oh, dude, have you, ever been, have you ever been to Costa Rica? I have never been. Oh but, man, they, they're, uh, I like to go. I mean, it's really I tried fun. To make my way through South America. I was actually going to plan to go up to Central America too, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. my my yeah, plans kind of fell out. Yeah, and it's better to have a lo- a local person with you who kind of knows the lay of the land and and what not to do and what to do type situation, you know? Because it's just not the best idea traveling as a pasty white dude in, in certain places of the world and. Having somebody with you who's a local definitely is a is a buffer between bad shit happening. How long were you there for? I've been, I've only spent two or three weeks at a time there, but I've been down there probably six or seven times. When we had our bullshit immigration fiasco going on, she couldn't come here, so I had to go down there for quick trips, like two to three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So you know, but I always rented a car, and her and I always went like we would just drive. We would spend a week on the road driving around Costa Rica, going to different beaches and shit like that. But what I, what I was leading into is their breakfast food is called pinto gajo or gajo pinto, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like uh, beans and rice. Oh my god, dude! So like every hotel you stay at, beans and rice, and I get like uh, I don't know what the eggs are called, but they like you crack the egg into the pan and then you flip it. And you end it, but it's still kind of runny in the middle, just a little. And um, you put that over the the, the gajo pinto, and you bust it open and let let the yolk run into it. And then they got big slices of like queso fresco and like the freshest fruit and fruit juices that you could ever have. It's oh my god, I love it, bro. It sounds wonderful. Doesn't oh, sound like dude. a breakfast food though. It's not <laughs> not to, not to us, but for their for their culture, it's it's definitely a, a staple. But um, my last question. Uh, What's your most embarrassing moment in the Marine Corps? I actually haven't thought about that in a very long time. <laughs> There's probably a lot of them. What's the first one that pops in your head? You're killing me here. <laughs> 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 probably. Um, can you ask me that one at the end of the uh, the podcast? <laughs> sure, sure. We'll we'll scratch Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell everybody your name, uh, and a little bit about your background, just like a, just a real quick introduction. My name is Lauren. It's an interesting name, too, by the way. I never knew that while we were in... Well, when I was in school, people used to make fun of me for it all the time. But as I got assholes. older, mostly people just told me it was unique. <laughs> so I guess yeah. it kind of paid off in the end. Cultured. My name is Lauren. I served with 3-2, Marine Corps. Did two combat deployments to Iraq in 06 to 07, 07 to 08. That's how they were churning us out in those times. I mean, that's what it was all about. Yeah, turn and burn. I was a rifleman, served as a uh, squad leader for a time. I went to squad leader school after my first deployment. Did you go with Woody? Did you guys come back early from Hobbany? Uh, I didn't go. No, sorry. To squad leader school, no. He actually came back before us. And uh, we uh, we finished out, I think it was, what, like two months or probably less. I really haven't thought about it in a while. But uh, 
he came back before us, went to squadler school. By the time I got back, he was already out. Out of school. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Backing up to like maybe when you were growing up a little bit, where where did you grow up and uh, how would you, I mean, how was your childhood in, in your opinion? I actually traveled around a lot. My mother used to be, she used to date a guy who was in the Navy, who I don't even remember his name, but we traveled around quite a bit. We lived in probably about, we lived in three states before we moved back to New York. And, you know, my more memorable parts of my childhood, I spent in New York State until I moved, until I went to the Marine Corps. Wow. Did you play any sports growing up? Yeah, I played football, football and basketball. Yeah, were any good at it? Any chance on uh, scholarships or anything like that? It, it never really interested me that much. I was always more into hanging out with my friends. I lived out in the country, so we were always out in, out in the woods and shooting shit. So at a time, at a certain point, before I even got to probably 11th grade, I stopped playing sports. Nice. Completely. Yeah, when I, so when I think of New York, just like every other ignorant person in the country, I just imagine cities. But like apparently there's a whole, that's just like 1% or 2% of the whole fucking state, right? Like it's, it's, there's a lot of country and, and farms and uh, woodland areas, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Some would even say that upstate New York is one of the most redneck places in the world. Not oh, wow. or not. <laughs> do they have do they have their own math math i'm sorry task if i'm forces? offending anybody but hey i'm from ah, here too them. so i don't give a shit do they have their own meth task forces not so much meth around here it's more of opioids yeah now nowadays yeah when, when, I was, <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when i was growing up in tennessee like every county had their own meth task force with like mraps and fucking like just crazy shit now it's all opiates for sure though well, where I lived in the country, they would always have helicopters fly over, and they were always looking for pot plants. Yeah. Now, the yeah. thing is, is where I live, and I'm not going to disclose that, but, um, you know, all the farmers have them. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like this thing that they couldn't really control, nor did they want to. I think it was just keeping up like uh, this, you know, that old bias that was that existed back then that was going against marijuana. Like oh, yeah. it was something that was killing people or something like that so i mean yeah, new york state's always been madness. a very draconian state with pretty much everything so it only makes sense that they were doing that so why do you think it's that way i think it's always been like that in new york I mean, but what, what what would cause that though is that we're just because of the, the mafia and prohibition and like all that shit caused that stuff to kind of be more draconian or is it i mean is there anything that you can think of that would point to it like a reason why it would be that way we didn't have a really great track record for for politicians, and they mostly, I'm talking about as statewide goes, I mean, they mostly served New York City rather than upstate. Right. I think that the the best that we ever had was Giuliani, and he was busy, you know, well, I mean, he was, he wasn't, he was mostly down there in New York, New York City, uh, destroying the mob and shit like that. So, I mean, yeah. it didn't really have anything to do with upstate, but, uh. I don't know. Probably because the city has such a high population and a, and such a crime rate due to that population number that, you know, like that the, the, the laws are blanketed to the, all the other counties and cities because of, you know, New York City. And it just just like a ripple effect that goes out. Yeah. I mean, that's why it always goes Democrat here as well. As you know, we got we got Cuomo. Oof. This is, it's a Bredo. disaster up here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same way, way here. 
It probably will, dude. And honestly, Colorado used to be conservative Republican. And then um, before Polis Hickenlooper, the, the, these big money people like billionaires from California flooded in and they, they, they put so much money into these crazy campaign ads. And then they, they lobbied to legalize marijuana and bring all the fucking idiots here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now Denver and Boulder control what the rest of the state does and has to deal with. And Denver used to be a pretty relatively safe, clean city for the most, for as, you know, as far as cities go. But now, it's like California, dude. There's human feces everywhere, needles, people shooting up really? heroin and smoking meth in the city. Jesus. Yeah, they they passed a law that any uh, homeless people can sleep on any public property, and you can't remove them. And then they actually the the popular vote as the way that I understand it, and I could be wrong here, but whichever way the country votes, popular vote is where our electoral college votes go, even if it's against the way Colorado voters went. Fucking insane. Do you think that the uh, same thing is going to happen to Texas? Eventually. Austin's a, a liberal stronghold. As, as soon as it gets to the point where that city outnumbers the majority of the state, that's all it takes. And uh, once Texas is gone, that's it, dude, for, for politics as far as Republicans or, you know, I would like to see some libertarians get into the debates and, oh, and the Freedom Party. But, I would love uh, to see I, the Libertarian Party just uh, come up and dominate <laughs> yeah it's, it's, the, it's the way it should be dude we follow the constitution you do whatever the fuck you want as long as you don't fuck with me or mine or my ability to earn and provide for my family i don't give a fuck what you do you know what i mean i don't understand why and the republicans have hung themselves because they're still hung up on abortions they're still hung up on drugs and you know everybody knows you can't control drugs by making them illegal you're creating these drug cartels and this billion-dollar industry and all these associated problems when we need to be looking at it like the Portugal model, you know, decriminalization, funneling money into treatments, not putting people into for-profit prisons. And, you know, it's just it's just it's it's scary. I don't think it would work here, the really? Portugal model, to be honest with you. Not because uh I just think that culturally the United States I think that people here are a lot more susceptible to, to addiction. Uh, have fallen in that i think that the united states would look like a wasteland <laughs> in the well, end it's a good point no, it's a, um, that's i don't a good know point. i mean you see a lot of european or mostly uh like latin cultures in general i mean the upbringing is completely different completely so you think that uh they're okay really really weak-minded people fall fall into drugs i'm sure i mean i'm sure that people who who fall in hard times it happens to them as well over there mm, and down in right. Argentina or down in other parts of Latin America, Spain. But I just feel like the rampant. education system has been so fucked up here. I'm sorry for swearing. No, dude, <laughs> I feel like it's been so fucked up here in the United States that a lot of people, a lot more people become susceptible to just falling into it easily. I don't think it would be a good solution. Yeah. And, and if you look, look at like our times now compared to the fifties and sixties, like people used to take guns to school to go hunting. And the the mom was able to stay at home and raise the family and the dad was able to make enough money to pay for cars and a house and raise their family. And then, you know, now, you know, hey, women should have all the rights in the world. I agree. But there's a certain dynamic that you see in these other cultures that I see in Latin America where the mom takes care of the family and the kids up until they're old enough to go to school. And then obviously they go out and work and shit like that. But 
it's just different. Like the focus on family and loyalty and all of the other stuff that they do differs from us. And, and another huge problem in this country is the, the pharmaceutical issue, dude. It's just like, you go, like, you know, you go to the We're VA. A target. We have the, yes. most, we, we had the, we had the American dollar. I mean, why wouldn't we be the ones who are most targeted by pharmaceuticals? Oh, I agree. And, and, and if you look like, like the gun violence thing, like the, this country does not have an out of control fucking gun violence issue. If you look at the numbers and the, the population numbers, dude, it's just asinine at how l small of a chance you actually have to be engaged in gun violence. But anytime there's a, a shooting, they put it on the fucking TV for two weeks, every day, all day. And then they brainwash everybody into thinking, oh my God, this, there's just mass shootings every day when, in when that's not the case. Yeah, they do it for the mass shootings, but they don't do it for the inner city shootings. Right, exactly. And that was my next point is the inner city shootings like Chicago, Detroit, Flint, fuck, even Chattanooga, you know, so just inner cities everywhere. New Orleans. Now New York like, City. New York City, people are killing themselves and in, in, in each other in fucking droves, dude, droves. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, actually, I do know because you say you don't own one. But I literally I have a pistol sitting in front of me right now while I'm doing this podcast. And I live in this one of the safest places in the country. However, if that one in a million chance happens, I'm ready to fucking respond to it. Just like I carry a pistol everywhere I go. And no, you definitely if, have to be. I mean. People are losing their minds. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And COVID's making it all worse, dude. I, I've, I've just noticed that everybody's bitter. Everybody's in such a fucking hurry. And it's just like, it, I, I, it's so different than from when I was growing up and people had manners and they respected their elders. And I believe, you know. I believe that uh, COVID-19 is uh, instilling mass PTSD people 100% 100% look at the kids dude they can't even go to school they got to sit at a fucking computer for five six hours a day mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many posts I see from buddies that have kids like their kids are throwing temper tantrums or they're, they're just psychologically fucking wrecked and do you feel like it's by design to an extent to an extent or or if it's not by design they're definitely capitalizing on it you know what I'm saying? Like this Absolutely. happened and they're like, okay, here's our chance. Now we can do this, 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 and this. And, uh, we're, we're seeing that play out. You know, there's no fucking like, Hey, sorry, you've been out of work since March. Here's $600. And we're going to give the seven, 800 billion of the rest of it to fucking the rest of the world and all this other bullshit, which I still even got my stimulus check. They mailed it for whatever reason, even though they direct deposited it the first time and they've got my physical address on file. And I live in a place where the post office doesn't deliver mail other than to the post office, you know, and it's just it's a shit show, man. I don't know if like part of me hears and sees the people that say Biden and Pelosi and all these fucking asshole scumbag politicians that need to be removed from office and tarred and feathered. They're in bed with China. And, you know, that's the source of this fucking virus. And, uh, you know, whether I, I don't understand how it spread to the entire fucking world so quick. Well, I don't know how it, how uh, death rates in China stopped. Uh, I think I think they stopped reporting deaths around maybe June. <laughs> well, you can't <laughs> Does that trust make any anything sense that, to you. 
<laughs> it does. No, it doesn't. But you and, and also you can't trust anything that comes out of those people's mouths or what they're reporting. You know what I mean? Like they don't even let their fucking people get on the internet. That's not controlled and censored. You know what I mean? So of course they're not going to tell the rest of the world the actual truth. You, you know what I mean? And and what was it in January? Trump banned travel from China unless you were a citizen of this country. But he yeah, was immediately they, uh, called they tried a racist. To destroy him for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing, man. I mean, ever since this administration, and I'm I'm really not one of those kinds of people. I'd never really identified as a Republican. No, me either. I have I have beliefs from both sides, all but, sides. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ever since this administration, I mean, the Democrats have been spending more time trying to destroy the president than they have actually trying to make things better in this country. They spent. 40, I think 40 or $50 million on the Russiagate, on the Russian investigations, and they all just led back to them. <laughs> yeah, and then, then nothing was done from it. You know, that's the problem, dude. They're so connected and Two everybody's so, so involved. Two impeachments yeah. in one Two administration, which I don't care yeah. about the second one. I don't, I, I mean, at this point, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of preparing myself mentally for the next four years and like i said i never really identified as a republican but i know better when i can see that an entity is trying to destroy people's lives it's so obvious and i have to prepare myself for that i have to prepare my family for it if it were just me i'd probably just go right down to argentina i mean hyperinflation is crazy down there but this is deliberate for me I see I see so much bias and everything with with media and I know that it sounds very repetitive when I say it the mainstream media this and that but it's true I mean that's all they've been trying to do is destroy they haven't been trying to build anything I got to give props to them though man like they they're sticking together and like if the Republicans acted the way they did and stuck together and, and did everything that they're doing and their power, like the, you know, they would get a lot more shit done. I got to give that to them. However, to, in a to political glare, sense. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, you can respect it. Uh, you know, that's, that's great politics, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, you if know, you think if about we, it, we do like that, in the art of war mentality, but their form of politics involves going to war with the American people. Yes. And, and yeah, yes. And I think that everybody involved, honestly, dude, both sides are just as fucked up, just as terrible, just as corrupt. Absolutely. They're all, they're all millionaires on a hundred thousand dollar a year fucking salary, all the lobbying, all the bullshit, you know, they want division. Both sides want division because that's how you control a populace is keep them divided and fighting each other with the black lives matter thing and all the other bullshit, you know what I mean? Like everybody's divided. Everybody's thinks everybody's racist. You know, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking shit show out there. Well, you want to know my thought on uh cancel culture, Oof, which I just thought one. about this today. And I'm sure it's been said a million times, but I'd never heard about it. I think that cancel culture has been pushed on people so much where it gets them used to getting into that kind of into that that frame of mind where it becomes normalized right and then after that it's all orwellian yeah you know what i mean 
I mean, freedom of speech and everything. People, oh, yeah. people are so psychologically damaged that they don't even really, they have to think twice about saying something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and saying what you believe could, could get you doxxed. You could lose your job. Hey, you, you can dox me all you want. I don't give a shit. I don't yeah, care no, about people's opinions. <laughs> I was nah, in the Marine nah. Corps, man. I mean, we're in Havania, so I mean, it's wow. like fucking gives a shit. And it, Havania, it's not like it was a, uh, it was like a um, complete hell either. I mean, right. there's been worse experiences in war than what I've had or anybody that I know. But you know, once you see what the real world is actually about. All the social media stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter, really. No, no, it's all bullshit. And then the fact that we have these clown ass fucking dudes like defriending people because they say something that's completely asinine and, and you can prove them wrong. And their only response is to just fucking delete you off of Facebook. And, you know, it's just like, dude, how old are you? You know, I'm getting sick of it. Personally. Well, don't the politicians seem more childish than like they're actually doing a job? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and the fact that Nancy Pelosi stood behind the president of the United States as the Speaker of the House and shredded his fucking whatever speech or whatever it, it, it was at that time, like, she should have been fucking tarred and feathered for that. You know what I mean? And and then that's the problem. Like, this this whole incident with the Capitol, all the all the left-wing fucking idiots that, I, that I'm friends with are, oh, they, they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent. But, dude, I heard crickets when the fucking riots were burning down seattle and portland and fucking kenosha and everywhere else that they have and they didn't say a fucking word you know what i mean they're like well they're rioting for a reason and it's like yeah What's well that re <laughs> police brutality against blacks it's like well if you look at the homicide rates and the crime rates and the population numbers it, it you know it makes sense dude like and 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 there's not this this obsessive problem with police killing unarmed black people. It just doesn't exist. It's fabricated, and it's bullshit. Now, when I see it, and I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, I will totally stand up for it and get behind it. I don't know. I mean, I uh, I see human beings, and I mean, I wouldn't trust a group of cops as much as I would trust a bunch of people on the street that I don't know when I'm walking walking at night or something like that. Uh, where I live in up here in upstate New York, we've had, it doesn't sound like that much, but we've had 14 murders since the beginning of the year in this very little city that's, that I work in. I mean, people got to use common sense when they go out and they got to be conscious of the fact that people are really, really on edge. They're losing their minds. You know, I, I don't agree with this idea that cops are out to, to kill people. I no. think that they're scared. Obviously, they in these cities they work in pretty tough conditions, and I can respect that. It's probably like a war zone, and some of yeah, them. But <laughs> think about it like this, dude: is that they they don't get to go back to America at the end of their fucking deployment or shift like like we did. No, they you know just got to I mean? go like, home and then wait for some kind of prosecutor for for any wrong turn that they make, maybe. Maybe they said somebody that something that might have offended somebody. Who knows what they're how they're attacking cops now? To be yeah, honest dude, with of you. course they're like probably in lockstep right now. The ones who didn't quit. <laughs> yes, and cops cops see everybody on the worst day of their life. They see murders, suicide, rapes, child rapes, child pornography, beatings, domestic violence, everything. 
on a daily basis for some of them. And then they're just expected to go home and live in the same city and shut all that shit off and then not be scared when, you know, a fucking gangbanger or uh, uh, a biker or whoever the fuck it is, is being aggressive and, and not listening. And you know what I mean? Like, I understand the fear and the fear is what's causing these shootings and these issues. It's not because, yeah, there's probably one or two bad apples here and there. And they need oh, to yeah. be found. There's and, psychopaths and they, and, in any profession that you can find. Exactly. We're human beings, yep. but they need to be dealt with. And, you know, I think that this defunding the police shit is total horseshit, man. It's it, they need more funding. They need more training. I think all of them should be proficient in jujitsu and uh, striking. And they need they need more training. They need more scenario based training with those realistic shooting simulator deals. And uh, you know, at a very minimum and they need to be paid more and they need to have mandatory every fucking four or five months. They get a month off or whatever to for psychological uh, uh, work and rest. You know, it's crazy, dude. The most co there's like a staggering statistic about the death rate in police after they retire from heart disease, obviously, because of the cortisol and the stress levels. And shit oh, that yeah. They deal with every stress day. is the biggest killer. Mm -hmm. and their divorce rates and their domestic violence rates it's 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 not it's not for no reason dude it's because of the job hey do you know are there any uh any kind of statistics for that with uh with the heart disease and the stress uh for i think it's like 40 percent for, for duty for people in the military if there is i'm not familiar with them we'll have to we have to look into it i just feel like with the military i mean with all the stuff that we might have gone through i feel like uh the camaraderie that we all had, I mean, it, it might've been like one of the best medicines that you could have, you could have had to be honest. Uh, dude, a lot of the people that I talked to when they get out, they said that they found healing from talking and, and getting with other veteran groups and, and vets and then helping people and finding that sense of purpose again. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you, you, you go from having everything that you need to do dictated to you, checked, monitored, you know what you're supposed to be doing at all times you feel a sense of purpose and patriotism and duty. You're with your best friends you've ever had in your entire life. And then one day it all goes away. Boom, you're done. You're back out in the real world. And then you got to deal with all the bullshit that's in the real world. And then there's easy, readily access and availability to drugs and alcohol. And then the, the downward spiral starts and on top of any psychological issues that maybe have been developed during the course of your enlistment. It kind of makes you think maybe I should have accepted that bonus and just stayed in for another four years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so why did you uh, why did you want to join the Marines? Mostly because of family history. My grandfather was a Marine. He served in uh, Korea and Vietnam. I've always admired him. He was yeah you know, he was a grumpy guy, but for some reason I love him. <laughs> right. Well, my granddad's. I've the always same admired way. him. I mean, and. This might sound kind of weird, and I apologize because I've also been drinking. <laughs> like yourself. That's yeah, all right. I think a lot of it actually has to do with some kind of programming, too, to be honest with you. Programming such as what? I think a lot of it might have to do with a lot of people who, who join the military because, you know, watching war movies and stuff like that as kids, I think people don't really understand the gravity of what it actually it is. And I think that's why a lot of people, when they get into the military, as soon as they get in and not a lot, okay, probably a very low percent, but they, they, 
they just can't take it. It's not what they expected. Right. And they kind of break. And we've all seen that. We've seen people break as soon as they get in. Yeah, no, I've seen it. 100%. Me personally, it was mostly because of my grandfather. I obviously wanted to serve my country. But the thing is, is uh, after 9-11, and I already, I, was, I already decided I wanted to be in the, in the Marines before 9-11, probably mm. since I was about seven years old. After that, I kind of started getting a grasp for the political stuff, you know, the politics and everything, and the idea of us going to Iraq and baiting. And it didn't really make sense to me at all uh, with the, I mean, now, so we could tie it into what's happening now in our country, you know, the same media that is trying to, trying to convince the whole country, but they've at least got half about certain things. But now it seems like they're trying to convince us of everything, how it actually, how it is opposed to how it actually is. And if you think right. back to after 9-11, I mean, weapons of mass destruction. Now we have a media that preaches peace, but it's the same exact media that was preaching war. And, you know, I just, it's definitely changed my perspective a great deal about how this country, this country is run and how we're informed. So, you know, you take it for what it is. That's how I feel about it. Where were you when 9-11 happened? And how do you remember that day? I was in biology class and grade? I saw somebody come up to the window at the door, a teacher, and she looked very upset. So my, my teacher went out and they were talking, they looked like they're just, their minds were blown. And my teacher came in afterwards, after the conversation, we're all looking through the window and he comes in, he said, you know, something big happened. There has been attack in New York city. Uh, they don't know what's going on yet, really. And they didn't give us much details on it. And then I went to my next class and my other teacher, she over-exaggerated, if that makes any sense. She said that the Pentagon was a crater. (laughs) She said that the entire Pentagon had been wiped out. And we're like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? But other than that, they didn't want to tell us anything. They didn't turn on the TV. There's TVs in every single class. So we had to wait till we got home and then... Obviously, naturally, we watched the planes going into the building for the next two weeks. (laughs) So, I mean, that's how it was. Where were you at? Um, I was on the bus ride to middle school. And when I got on the bus, the bus driver was listening to it on the radio. And I was pretty close with him. And so I would always sit behind him. He was a fucking cool ass dude. And uh, he was like, look, dude, he's like. He's like, something's going to come of this. You you watch and see. And uh, the first plane had hit the building. And then when I got to school, we watched the second plane hit live. I was in eighth grade. And then I made up my mind right then and there that I was going to join the military. And that was it. How do you feel about uh, the fact that we're going into Iraq? Because I had expressed how I felt about it. What about you? Well, at the time... I didn't really understand it on a level, you know, like I do now looking at it now, I think it was bullshit and it was the war machine and, uh, you know, but then I didn't, uh, I didn't understand it. So isn't that weird? Yeah, no, I remember, I think it was during the Super Bowl. There was a Super Bowl. It was a very, very important football game. 
I remember them coming on and saying, we have just started the shock and awe campaign in Iraq. Ah, yes. And I continued to go to school and want to join. And then, um, so I went to school in Florida. I grew up in Florida and I split my time between Florida and Tennessee. And my parents were in Florida and some of my family and my grandparents and some of my other family lived in Tennessee. Now it was 10th grade. I was skipping school. I was smoking pot. I was fucking just a piece of shit. And most of the kids that I was running with, I wouldn't say most of them, a few of them are still in prison to this day. And I realized, I said, hey, I, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got my vehicle taken away from me that I earned. My mom kicked me out. I went to live with my dad. My dad was awesome, but he just didn't want to tell me no. And I just kept fucking off. And uh, so I moved. I My grandfather, much like your grandfather, was the meanest, nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And he was a <laughs> narcotics detective, police officer. And I volunteered uh, to... <laughs> yes. And I volunteered to move in with him. And um, I never smoked weed again until I got out of the military. I remember um, he I, I lied to him about something trivial and he punched me in the face and I fell on the ground and he started kicking me. <laughs> and then after that, I made straight A's. I wrestled and played football, got all my shit, you know, and then uh, the Marine recruiter would come to our high school and he would come to the football practices and it was this black dude. I think it was staff Sergeant Smith. I think I can't remember his name, but he was jacked. And I was like, fuck, dude, I want to be like this dude, you know? And they got you. <laughs> yeah, they got me. Yeah. That. And I just saw the sloppiness and the laziness of the other recruiters and they were never in their office. The Marines were always in there. They were always locked on. And, um, you know, that was it. So I had a best friend from high school. Uh, we joined together I ended up volunteering to go to boot camp early and, you know, we didn't go in on the buddy program, but so when did you transit, like how, when, like explain you going to boot camp? I'm assuming that you went to Paris Island. Walk us through that, how that looked like when, like when it happened and why and blah, 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 blah. I think that Paris Island, the worst part for me were the first three or four days, you know, the, the, uh, doing all the processing really. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I really didn't mind the rest of it. To be honest with you, I didn't think it was that difficult. I hate running, but I actually got really used to running. I found out I was actually kind of fast. It was actually, I'm not going to say it was fun, but it was it was just a cool experience for me. And I didn't feel like I was suffering during it. And I'm kind of a under the radar kind of person anyway. So it's not like I had, even though I know that there's a lot of drill instructors who look for that kind of thing. They're, they're like searching for those people who are under the radar. Maybe they're a little bit more sensitive like myself mm -hmm. and they just, they dig into them. But for some, for some reason, I just kind of skated past it <laughs> Oh wow! in a way. <laughs> so I definitely enjoyed, uh, you know, the crucible. I thought it was great and it was everything I ever hoped it would be. <laughs> wow. Damn, that's crazy. So uh, tell us a funny story from Paris Island, a funny-ass story you remember. The funniest story was actually graduation day. Really? And uh, Yeah. After I graduated, I had my grandfather there. He came, in, he came and saw it. He was very proud. And uh, I was talking with him and my drill instructor. And my drill instructor said, he, he looked at me. He's like, Reluzo, I know what you were saying about me the whole time. <laughs> oh, no in front of my you know he's a big black guy woods some people might remember him 
And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I never said anything about this guy. <laughs> to be honest with, with you, I actually, I liked him. I admired him. He actually got in trouble when we were, we were during boot camp and they forced him to leave our platoon for like a week or something like that. Probably because he was just way too tough, which that makes no sense because you're in boot camp. But um, that was the funniest thing because my grandfather, he, he kind of looked at me like he was going to kick my ass or something <laughs> for what he said. And I'm like, I seriously never said anything about him. <laughs> but, uh, that, was, that was the funniest part for me. My, uh, my granddad, uh, pretty sure he was crying at the, and once we got dismissed from graduation, he it, you couldn't really tell he left his glasses on, but it, it just got, you know, like it kind of tell made me proud. He bought me a Glock 21 as a graduation present. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Wish somebody got me a Glock. Moving on from Paris Island. Where did you go from there? From there, you know, went to Lejeune, SOI. I didn't enjoy SOI as much. Probably because it kind of settled in that I was, uh, I really didn't know what to expect from it, to be honest with you. And, you know, all the all the guys there who, you know, were in charge of us and stuff, they started telling us pretty crazy stories. They were all, they were all in Fallujah. I, I, I guess I was kind of starting to get nervous about what was going to happen, where we're going. I met a lot of great people there, like Woody and stuff. We had great times, but uh, I think that the uh, you know, like it was stupid, trivial shit that I didn't like about SOIs. I got my first tattoo, and they bitched me out about it. It was a stupid tattoo, anyway. At SOI, huh? Yeah, yeah. They 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 punished us for it. They they had us all standing there and bitching us for getting tattoos, and said that they were gonna rot in the field or something. The fuck you talking about everybody's getting tattoos but um wow. after soi and we went to our platoon uh to our you know to three two i i became a little bit more relaxed about you know what was happening i felt like uh the training was good and uh i kind of prepared myself mentally for where, where we're gonna go and that was it when did you get to the fleet and how were you guys uh received by your seniors we received, um, we had a lot of great guys. There was obviously a huge conflict within 3-2, which is probably pretty famous now in the Marine Corps with uh, hazing. But, uh, you know, me in general, I, I, I really appreciated, I like my seniors a lot. Uh, mm. They seem like, I mean, they're, they're tough on us, but you know, you could kind of see that they're actually human. <laughs> I mean, they would, they would be bitching you out while they're, while they're having a beer or something like that. And you're like, okay, you know, this feels a little bit better than. You see anything like crazy happen that night yeah. or shortly after? No, they just kept us up for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice absolutely. tactic. Sleep deprivation. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. But by the time you get out of boot camp, you're kind of used to it, right? Yeah, to an extent, I guess. You know, but when I was in boot camp, my drill, one of my drill instructors was a, a infantry guy. He was a sergeant with two stripes on his on his service stripes. So like he had been busted down and he he looked exactly like our Lee Army. And uh, I was terrified of him, dude. He had a fucking stack, Nam V's, combat action rib, I mean, just everything. And uh he uh told us you know, it, it ain't the sergeants and staff sergeants you got to watch out for. It's them salty lance corporals. Oh, you know? yeah. 
And, you know, so to me, I don't know. It was, it, it was, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things. I respected them, but sometimes if they cross the line, I would definitely uh, be belligerent and, you know, have to deal with the consequences, but it's all for a reason. And I think hazing, as long as it doesn't cross the line is a fucking very, very important aspect of the military. I mean, we're going to war to kill people and try to bring everybody home. So we don't need soft ass bitches in here. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can't help to think that a lot of it had to do with, you know, maybe I'm not talking generally about our guys. I'm talking about everybody. I mean, maybe they're a little bit affected by the fact that they just got off a, a deployment. Perhaps oh, yeah. they kind of get caught up in the moment a bit. But probably 100%. I actually I actually agree with you on that. I mean, sometimes you have to be shocked into the situation. But really, for me, it wasn't going, you know, getting getting bitched out by people. It wasn't taking long runs. You know, the first shock for me about combat was the first time I ever got hit by an ID. I mean, wow. nothing could have ever prepared me for it. And, you know, you're kind of lackadaisical even before that moment comes. Even though you feel like you're you're on your toes, you you you're there and you know, it's your first two weeks in in Iraq and, you know, you feel like you're completely prepared, but you're you think back after the moment that you got hit by an IED that you really weren't, especially yeah, when you're on foot. It's one of those know? things, dude, like an IED is like a sniper. It's a mind fuck. You don't know where, when it's going to happen, where it's going to come from. It's not like somebody standing in front of you in a uniform shooting at you and having to maneuver against an enemy force. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very effective tactic. I think it's a cowardly tactic, but it is hey, effective. And, and you're right. There's nothing. I'll tell you what. I mean, very cowardly, but smart as smart. Hell. I would do the same thing if somebody invaded us. Exactly. T take and, us through it. And I, damn, I'm not going to say that, actually. Ab say it. Absolutely. A very <laughs> smart thing. <laughs> I think hey, that bro, a lot this... of people, you know, just because of the uh the temperature that we're we're in right now in this country, I, I see people talking about, you know uh, want it, wanting civil wars. Civil war and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you don't have any idea. You live in the United States of America and you have no idea of the capabilities of the United States military or the technology. None. And I don't even yeah. know it, you know? Yep. I don't think the United States military is going to go against the population if the population has a valid like if they if they come in tomorrow and they say, "Hey, you can't buy AR15s anymore and you can't do this that the other, you can't say this anymore." Like I would hope that all the other oath takers would say, "You know what? Fuck that. The you know, no sir, I'm disregarding that order." You know what I mean? Yeah, but they don't even need orders. They don't need orders to carry out anything against uh, what they would. I mean, we all seen what has happened in the last week that now they're labeling conservatives. Well, they've always been label, labeling us as white supremacists, even though there's a lot of black conservatives and Latin conservatives or what be. But now, you know, we are domestic terrorists. And what do you, what's the most effective way to, to, to destroy a terrorist is a, a drone. <laughs> if all, yep. if all hell breaks loose in this country, 
which God, I, I pray to God it doesn't. I hope people use their heads, even though the Democrats aren't using their heads and they're trying to deliberately destroy it. So I can kind of understand why people want to lose their heads because, yeah. you know, the Constitution and, you know, changing what America is and freedom of speech, uh, the right to bear arms, the Fourth Amendment, any the Bill of Rights in general. They don't even need to send out people who would have a doubt or think that it's or have a moral doubt about killing Americans. They just got to send out drones. Well, but somebody's got to fly those drones. Somebody's got to load the ordinance on a few them. nerds, <laughs> right, a few right. nerds who probably are leftists have leftist ideals. I mean, we're not going to say we can't assume that the entire United States military is full of people who are um, uh, libertarian or. Oh, 100 percent. You can tell that by now, bro. Mm -hmm. Especially with the education, you think about how bad the education is in 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 the school system. I mean, imagine what the hell they're, we've been out of the military for how long? I mean, what are they doing there? <laughs> and I'm not yeah. making any, I'm not insinuating anything. I'm sure that people in the military are getting great training as they always do. But, you know, social, social media, stuff like that, it doesn't always have to be what your leaders are, are, are telling you. You know, people have their own minds and they're going to make their own decisions about what they believe. And no amount of training is gonna is gonna convince you otherwise about yeah. about what that is. That's why I, I believe. I but agree. I mean, I didn't want to get all dystopian on you about it. But no, it's that's just fine. weird. I mean, <laughs> the country day by day it just gets unbelievable. I agree. So take us back to the the time you got blown up, if you don't mind talking about it. We were walking next to the Euphrates River, doing a patrol. It was a little path, and we'd often had to take this path. And, you know, where we were, there wasn't, it's not like you could go a thousand different routes. Well, we found out later on that you could go a thousand different routes because we would start jumping walls and breaking down walls. But before that, you know, you kind of have like maybe 10 paths or, you know, alleyways that you would go down. And then they hit us there. I think it was the first time we got hit there. So we got hit by two, two IDs. I had walked over it and maybe got about 10 feet and it went off right behind me. And then the second one went off to the side of me. And uh, I believe that we had a guy named Carter who got blown up in the same spot later on, but he survived. And I think somebody else got hit there too. So how would you just, I mean, like, how would you describe it as, as you know, like as it's happening, you're walking along, are you in the front of the patrol? Are you carrying a saw? I mean, it just take kind of like, just, you know, I was for doing, paint, I was paint the picture. Point, I was a point man. Was it a pressure plate or command? I don't, I don't know what it was. It was, it was buried very deep, uh, deep enough okay. that deep enough that it didn't fucking that the blast went straight up in the air and then came out a little bit. And it engulfed uh, my team leader, Wrinkle. Uh, some of you might know him. Yeah. But he, uh, he suffered a concussion. I mean, I felt the shock. It went through my entire body. But I, you know, I didn't feel like my head was messed up or anything like that. You know, I was just kind of caught in the moment. I was a little what taken back. Like, like I said, it was, it was my wake-up call in Iraq. So Awesome. So then what, what, I mean, is there any other... 
stories from that deployment that you feel like sharing with anybody is good, bad, any, anything? Quite a bit of firefights. What was your first firefight like? My first firefight was actually um, in an OP called OP um, Bears. Yeah. It was uh, on Route Michigan and at the corner of Route Nova, I believe. God, I forgot all the names. I really haven't thought about this <laughs> stuff in a long time. <laughs> um, the first time was uh, there. It wasn't anything really crazy. But uh, as uh, the weeks picked up, we started doing these operations going up Route Nova. I think the place was called Chaldea, but I can't be too sure about it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of ID put in in those areas and they're doing we're doing stuff up there and uh then um one night we did a raid of a house which turned out to be nothing and when we were when we were getting out of the house and we're walking out and we're going along a field we started receiving fire from from a house on our right and uh you know we all opened up on them i don't know how many there were originally but we ended up getting one of them and we came up on it and, you know, we shot his face off completely. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually kind of scared the hell out of me at first. I mean, it had me like on edge a little bit. I was, I'd never seen anybody dead before. Right. But, you know, after that, firefights kind of, it didn't become normal on the deployment, but it, it just came when you least expected it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We would get them sometimes when we're on our post or a few times when we're when we're on um patrols, snipers. That was a big thing. I guess there was there's a lot of snipers in our area. We're they're always getting intelligence about that. Even some from I think there was some from Chechnya. <laughs> I've heard that. We had a lot of guys who got hit by snipers in that area. It was mostly IEDs though. And we had our random little firefights, which sometimes they would turn into New Year's Eve was great. <laughs> tell New tell us Eve about was, New Year's Eve. It was Eve. the best. It was the best New Year's Eve I've ever had. Uh, New How Year's come? Eve, uh, 2007. We were on post and we started receiving fire from across the Euphrates. And at the same time, weapons company, Mobilize, was going down, Mount, uh, down Route Michigan. And we just got in this, it was probably like a two hour firefight. And I mean, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like there was much danger at the time because, you know, they're across the river, but it was just fun. I had actually gotten the opportunity to talk to my girlfriend for the first time on a satellite phone oh, that night. And she told me she was going to a party and stuff like that. She didn't sound like she was too enthusiastic about talking to me after what, like three months. So it was cool that oh, we got wow. to unload <laughs> and we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well um who was the who was the, remind me of the guy's name who who was on post when he got got hit by a sniper i think it was, was that brown, brown? Yeah. yeah brown got hit in the got hit in the face i think wasn't that with the uh the the stolen fucking ar or it's not ar m4 that was lost by those recon guys yeah i believe they were they, yeah they were shooting i <sighs> crazy shit i think they were shooting them out of the back of vehicles like they cut a hole in a trunk yeah that might have been that's something that i heard i didn't i didn't really know what the what the situation was completely with that 
Yeah, that was at that was at Bears. We had been there, and I think it was a month after we left because we only got in contact at Bears maybe once or twice before we left it. We'd built up the entire place. It seemed like the most secure place, except for Cubs, because Cubs was on top of a of a you know of a hill, which seemed like the safest place in the world you could have been. But we built this place up, and then they said, okay, you guys are going to go to another place. We went to Steelers, about 800 meters down the road. And, you know, at not it is very shortly after we went there that uh, Brown got hit by a sniper up there. It was weird because, you know, I stood that post. And, you know, you put your head in front of a window, <laughs> in front of, you know, in, in, the, in the opening of the post. You're not really, you're not expecting something like that. Right. Devastating. And didn't somebody, they, they didn't know right away until somebody went to relieve him from post and found him. Yeah, that's what I heard. Where do you think they were getting all these fucking IED materials just constantly? You think it was Iran or other countries kind of funneling money and gear into them? Probably stuff that was left over from the last war. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, and we don't even know how much stuff we left here. Uh, left there, sorry. Fuck, we left everything. We don't know how much how much stuff the United States left in the area, not in Iraq specifically because we didn't invade Iraq, but we don't know how much stuff we left in Kuwait. I mean, that stuff Syria. gets around. Yeah, yeah. It seems easier crazy. there than it does here. <laughs> it does, well, yeah, of course, because there's no laws and shit restricting it there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what was uh, what was your hardest time or memory? from from uh Habania. when i heard that miller got killed i didn't i wasn't there <laughs> right but uh he was my team leader when i first got in the three two what happened to him uh god i don't even know what happened to him and i'm sorry for not knowing it no but, no no it's dude yeah, it's fine. I, heard, I heard about yeah. him getting killed i know that i think he was with snipers so i didn't really hear any really real specifics on it. i think he got blown up Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, That's crazy, dude. I remember standing in the memorial ceremony after all of that and just like seeing all those pictures lined up. And like, if I remember, I remember vividly a little girl like running and touching the picture of her father. And dude, that shit is just, so war is ugly, dude. And, and like these people crying for civil war here, I don't think they fucking know what they're asking for. You know what I mean? And, and all the guys like us, who are on the sidelines, like, shut the fuck up. You don't want that. Yes, we don't want them taking our rights or doing anything like that. However, you don't well, I want I wanted this. to ask you if you could weigh in on something for me. Absolutely, bro. What do you think about these Q people? I haven't really followed it enough, to be honest with you. I don't, I can't form, I can't give a, a professional, legitimate opinion because I really don't know what it is and I don't know much about it. I've heard people say QAnon and and this and that and and I'm I'm assuming like all the people on my friends list that are like uh saying oh any day now Trump's still the president he's in bunkers he's in hiding all this shit's going to come out I think that that that's where that's coming from however you know they've been saying that since day 1 about Hillary and the deleted laptops and the clear breach of security protocols and just everything but nothing ever fucking happens isn't that weird and that wasn't not, even I, that wasn't even conspiracy. That was on no. talk radio. I was uh, listening well, maybe, to that shit every single day. What the about laptops. Anthony Weiner? What happened to Anthony Weiner? Where's that motherfucker at? You know what I'm saying? Like to do that. It's infuriating. Like, 
and, and, and there's nothing. And then the uh, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, and now is his girlfriend who has dirt on the royal family and every politician known to existence. Like, why well, is that not that's front the page thing. news? That's when, that's when you get into the realm of of the Q people. So when you say Q, you're referencing QAnon. Yes, I am. Okay, I will. I, um, I, I tell you what, have I, done I will, no research on it whatsoever, and I don't right? know. I can see the fanaticism because I've only started to notice it since people have been talking about it. And I've seen some of the, some of the, um, the podcasts or the, you know, the videos that they, they put out that are, they're not directly associated with them, but they put them out kind of based on their ideas. Mm. And the thing is, is they are a, a problem solution, uh, strategy group, I guess. Uh, they're, they're kind of always, um, reacting to what happens day to day saying, okay, this means this. So that means this is going to happen, but they kind of, they try to make it seem like it's something that has been written since two or three years ago. You understand? Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. And, uh, it's scary. I mean, I don't know if you ever listened to Alex Jones, do you? I'm um, not on the regular, but I have heard a lot of his stuff. And every time he's on Joe Rogan's podcast, I listen to it. Yeah, he's been saying it's a psyop, man. What is uh, the QAnon thing? A psyop. Yeah, he says like, it's a psyop. Like it, like that's like an army psyops team, like making it seem like they're these people and just to stir everybody up to cause chaos and pandemonium. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Well, he hasn't been wrong in the past. <laughs> you know what I That's mean? That's the like, weird thing about it, man. <laughs> a lot I mean, of the shit he says is fucking has been proven to come true. The Bahama Grove shit, the Epstein. I mean, dude, just like some of the biggest shit he's talking about has came true. Sometimes I feel embarrassed about saying that I listen to him once in a while because right, I mostly well, listen to I mostly listen to like uh, conservative talk radio or something like that. Ron Paul, <laughs> Ben Shapiro, but I listen Owen. to Alex Jones sometimes, man. And you're right. He's got it. I mean, it seems like he does. Well, and that's what they want you to feel like. They want people to feel ashamed for mentioning that they listen to Alex Jones. That's their game. That's how they control people. Oh, he's fucking crazy. And you should be ashamed. That's just like denying that you're a Trump supporter because you're going to get shamed at work and fucking everybody's going to hate you. You know what I mean? It's the same shit. It's a crazy, crazy time we're living in. And somehow they're winning, dude. Like this side and our type of people are the last people anybody should be fucking with. Like when it comes to knowledge, history, tactics, gear, gun training, like numbers, you know what I mean? But somehow they know that the majority of us won't cross that line up until a certain point. Yeah. And they're, they're winning. They're controlling all the politics. Well, that's the thing they keep on pushing. They keep on pushing um, the reaction to everything that's happening. I mean, man, let's not fool ourselves. They can call us domestic terrorists all they want. And that's they crazy because it's such a small number. The Constitution. <laughs> and the cities, dude. They They've let been, them. They, look they, at they California, man. That used to be the fifth largest economy on the entire planet. Look at Detroit. Any, any liberal fucking city like that, dude, you could say that. They used to be hustling, booming, economically viable and rich safe places to live and now they're shitholes and you know what the thing is is when you try to get this across to people your, oh, your racist friends out there 
they just won't accept They don't want to change their mind. No. When you've been brought up in an education system that brainwashes you that capitalism's bad, military people and patriots are racist and bad, there's no hope for changing that, dude. The only hope is getting in there and making those changes so that the next coming generations grow up like we did and see the value in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the branches of government and the history of war and the history of socialism and 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 fascism and communism across the fucking world. Did you, know you what see I mean? that like, Project Veritas video that they just uh, put out? That they just put out? I haven't. You don't have to send that to me through Messenger because I, I would love to watch it. PBS uh, representative, I think he might be an attorney for PBS. Mm -hmm. He's caught on video saying that that we should take conservative conservatives, Republican children from them and send them back, send them to camps to reeducate. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You know what? And you know, keep all I gotta say is keep fucking pushing the bear, dude. Keep poking the bear because you're gonna get what you're asking for. You're gonna get your civil war eventually. It's just gonna come up to. It's just gonna take a little bit more. And I I hope it never comes to that. I'm not advocating for violence. However, like I I'm not gonna tolerate bringing children into this world that are gonna grow up in a fucked up country without rights. And they're I gonna, damn for sure they're all I'm not gonna, gonna lose poor. my rights. <laughs> Happy yeah, and poor gonna, together. Yeah, happy and poor together with without nothing to fucking protect themselves from all the evil out there in this world. It's crazy to me, dude. It's fucking crazy. And well, then you got all these sense, man. I gotta tell you, the fact that that our cities aren't full of people, our cities, or even your local, your towns, or whatever, you don't have to go to Washington to have a million man march to protest what's happening right now. No, no. And nope. you can learn from example by example by all of the most infamous peaceful protests that you've ever seen in history, which there's been a lot of them, and they, they had one with what they have done. I mean, you got people right now in Europe who are protesting all over the continent, and they won't show it on mainstream media. You want to know why? Because they're fucking killing it. They're killing it. They're staying outside of their, their government buildings for 10 days. 10 days. They're not waiting for a permit. They're banging pots and pans. They're out there with candles. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, uh, if this country could get their shit together as far as uh, peaceful protest goes, that would be so great. Uh, I would love to see that. I would be a part of it. I would say I'm not going to work for, for a week if I don't have to, if it means I'm saving my country. I've done, I've made worse sacrifices in my life. <laughs> and yeah. I would prepare my family. I'd be like, okay, guys. I'm not going to be home for a little while. I have to do this. It's necessary. I would bring you, but I don't want an Antifa person busting my wife's head in the, in the ground. And I would do it. And I think a lot of people should. I think it's, wow. it's, it's that time. And you notice that right now, people aren't even talking about the stolen election anymore. They're just trying to defend themselves, trying to prove that they're not terrorists. Yeah, it's crazy. That's how you do it. Spoken mirrors. You know, what it comes down to is that we're divided for a very, 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 very simple reason. The more power over our lives that is centralized into the hands of a small people, small amount of people, the small elite controlling executive globalist people, the more that we will fight each other over who those small few are. Mm -hmm. And and the solutions equally is simple. Take the fucking power back. Take it back. You know, I mean, that's and, what they did. 
That's exactly what they did. They just used it through subterfuge. Like what it is, is these politicians have always been crooked. I think Kennedy was probably one of the last ones that, uh, that, you know, was, was, was in there for honest reasons. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I wasn't alive, but from what I heard him say and the shit he talked about and getting schwacked, like now they're all in it because they all got dirt on each other. Lobbyists, they're all making millions of dollars and it's a fucking club and we're not in it, dude. Just like, uh, what was that comedian's name? Carl, Carl, uh, yeah, Jesus, the bald, the bald old guy. Name. He's like, it's a fucking club and you all, you ain't in it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know, man, but anyways, to kind of pull us out of this little rabbit hole, we've dug ourselves down into I mean, how it, was, uh, it is our rabbit hole. We're in it. It is. No, I we're mean, good. We're good. I'm just going to steer it to the left for a little bit and then we could, we could go back and we can dig another rabbit hole, but how, cause I, how was your transition out of the military and how did that affect you becoming a civilian? As soon as I got out of the military, I left the country. I went to Argentina. I lived there for about a decade. And why did you decide to do that? And why did you pick Argentina? Well, I had a girlfriend from there. So that probably had most to do with it. How did but you meet her? I met her um, in Raleigh. Oh, shit. At yeah. an airport? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> airport. <laughs> Hey, I met her at a at a bar. I was with Woodruff, with Woody. Okay. actually, I need to get him back on here, man. He's no way, it was talking Raleigh. It was fucking Wilmington. What am I talking yeah, about? That's more realistic. She lived in Raleigh. Okay, and she was in Wilmington. Yeah. So then you just decided to up and move to Argentina. Yeah, we were together for you know almost a year. I was mostly on deployment, and um, I went there as soon as I got out. I figured. You know, I had nothing better to do. I probably have any... should have done something better. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I mean, you do you follow your heart and you make your own way as long as you're doing what, where nah, you had a great time. I, I loved Argentina. I, Hold on. Uh... can you hear this? Hold on. Listen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to do that. And now new I see microphone. why people listen to this podcast. Holy shit. Oh, dude. I still <laughs> laugh at farts. <laughs> That's for my producer over in uh, Georgia, the country. Don't delete that out of this, bro. Oh, is he listening in? Is he uh, deleting all my swear words? No, no, but he'll listen to it after uh, after I send it to him. He goes through the whole thing and makes it sound good. Ah, beautiful. But Producer, please eliminate all my ums. I don't want to sound like a retard. Dude, he's going to be charging me like $800 now. That shit's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> you learn how to... You learn how to how to not do you just take pauses instead of saying ums you just get quiet absolutely like, i don't even think i said that many ums but no i and i still do but it doesn't sound that bad but do, did you did you have any uh have any issues i mean transitioning to being a civilian or did you just fucking leave it leave it behind and it hasn't ever bothered you heavy drinking right well i mean that's which was mostly mostly social i think it was it kind of helped me in a bit until it started to destroy me. Right. Because I was having good times with uh, with happy people. And I really didn't have to think that much into the, the very near past. I mean, I made friends instantly. A lot of good people who I'm still friends with today. And uh, I think the hardest part of transitioning is I was probably a little on edge for the first couple of years. Right. Well, I don't think that, that ever out. totally goes away from you. After that, life kind of started taking over. 
and I had to. Uh, I see know. the shit on TV and the news, and that that's what makes me remain vigilant and you know aware of my surroundings, and you know what I mean. Well, that's the thing, man. I mean, the stress doesn't end when you get out of the military. Uh, it it's always going to be there. Yep. You see everything that's going on. This has been twenty twenty twenty, and now it sounds so redundant talking about twenty twenty. But nobody would have ever expected this to happen. Just like I never expected to get hit by an ID or two. <laughs> you know, these are things that the human, the human body, the human brain, we're going to be under stress constantly for the rest of our lives. Unless we get rich and we don't have to deal with people anymore. And, yeah, 100%. But there's gonna, it's going to come in some kind of form. So what helped you get over all that shit? And I started reading a lot reading a lot of books yeah what did you what did you do for work uh in argentina odd jobs really working at restaurants i was a man i was a manager of um of waiters at a restaurant for some time and i worked at a hostel which was pretty awesome i had a good time met a lot of people from all over the world there kind of opened up my worldview a lot meeting people from europe from asia all over south america africa just great time. Were you illegal down there? No, I kept legal. At first, I had working papers for quite a while down there. And then after that, I would do paperwork. And then every three months, I would go out of the country for a week. I would go to Uruguay. Mm-hmm. It's right next to Argentina. It's a country that nobody knows about. So Ur- I'm just, Uruguay. I'm not insulting anybody's intelligence here. It's a very small country. And I would spend a week there with people that I know from there. And then I would just go back into Argentina legally. Yeah, and that's there's no problems with that at all. No. How long? No. How long did it take you to to be fluent in Spanish? Took me probably about three years. Three years? Yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't know. When I go down there, my my wife's like, "You probably six months, you'd be good." Are you pretty like, good at I, Spanish now? I I know a lot of vocabulary. Tell me. Like something. I was. Tell me something. I want you to I want you to charm me in Spanish, please. Uh, quiero tipo noche. <laughs> huh? Did you didn't hear that? Tell me I again. Said, yo, quiero, yo quiero tipo noche. Ah, mi, nice. Pipito. I know cuss words really good, and and like I once I'm there, I have to order all my food in Spanish, and uh, I try to try to just like not get helped as much as possible. But I haven't been there in a year now, and I don't talk Spanish at all while I'm here other than cussing at people at work. But funny story. I used to joke when my wife was here, I was like, you're a Mexican. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not a Mexican. And I was like, you're a Mexican. I said, I started calling her Lupita. And then that, that turned into Pita. And then one day I said, Hey, Pito. And she's like, don't call me like that. (laughs) I guess it means dick in Spanish. Yeah, it's dick. (laughs) Dick or or a horn, which is funny because uh, we went to Walmart last time I was down there and, you know, my phone didn't work yet because I hadn't got a new SIM card for it. And I lost her. And I was, like, walking around down the aisles. And I was like, Pito! And, like, people were grabbing <laughs> their fucking kids, dude, and staring at me and, like, walking away. <laughs> it was hilarious, bro. I love it. I, Dude, I really do enjoy it down there. You, I'll you gotta, tell you what, you know, man. People from down there, they love, when, they love when Americans go down there. People from yeah. the United States. I can I I can say the opposite though here like I I don't have a very good opinion of Argentinian people because of where I live a lot of them come here for the winters uh-huh. and I would say out of out of meeting 10 or 15 of them just as a statistic 
one or two of them are cool. The rest of them are really? fucking ent- entitled assholes, dude. Oh, yeah, and, and, definitely. You're getting those kinds. No, you got to go to Argentina to meet. Yeah, no, ones. that's what, that, yes. <laughs> you know, and like I said, there is there is ones that I've met that are super cool, real sweet, awesome. But like, dude, when they're in like, I, I, I remember on New Year's one year, I was a door guy at the Mexican restaurant that was also like a big concert hall. And we would have like big name acts come through. And like, for whatever reason, that culture likes to stand in doorways and walkways instead of standing in standing places. Mm-hmm. And like, I would tell them to move. We got to keep moving. And they would, they would just fucking ignore me. And then when I would go to push them out of the way, they would get all pissed off. But I've got a vivid memory of this Argentinian chick walking into the men's room where it was just urinals in this particular bathroom, standing up backwards, bending over and pissing into a urinal backwards, dude. I was like, that is, that is impressive. I'm not even going to say shit, you know, but, uh, no, no, I'm sure down there, like the ones that come here are the ones with money and, and they come here to ski and uh and work at the ski hill so i mean i you know i don't know it's no, not I a very good representation now that you say it i think it makes sense i can imagine you guys getting a lot of argentinians there it probably reminds yes. them of patagonia it does they, a lot they, they are probably all from buenos aires yes yes and the ones from there i've noticed are kind of a little bit more uh asshole-ish some oh, of yeah. them not everyone. I'm not making a blanket not statement. Uh, I've yes. met a lot of cool people from Buenos Aires. My wife oh, is from Catamarca. And okay. uh, it's one of those places when you even, you don't really hear about it. You'll never hear about it. It's actually got one of the largest super volcanoes on oh, Earth. Oh, shit. Underneath Jesus. It. That's scary. And the place is hot as hell. You never want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any issues uh, being a gringo down there ever? Eh, I got robbed once. I got in a fight with three guys who were trying to rob me. I fought them off. That's, that's definitely common. My uh, my wife's brother had that happen in front of his house. Like, yeah, I don't know about there, but Costa Rica in the city, the houses like have like really secure. There's like razor concertina wire on the roofs and like three metal gates that you have to go through that are all oh, locked yeah, before you get inside. A, and it's a big thing down there. Well, when you lose your, when you forget your keys and you're standing out in front of that at nighttime, holding a backpack and shit, you know, like there's certain spots and certain areas and certain times you don't go. Like my wife would never let me walk on the beaches at nighttime there. You know, and people think beaches, they don't understand like what a real fucking beach is down there. Like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black. It's not like going to Tampa or going to Clearwater Beach. You know what I mean? We have all the hotel lights. So there's some beaches that are like that, like Tamarindo in Costa Rica reminds me of being in Florida. Mm-hmm. But like you, you go to Malpais, like the beach is like a quarter, half mile away from anything. And it's just desolate, gorgeous beach. It's it's so beautiful, man. I, yeah, I enjoy great. Costa Rica. And we've we've always talked. We wanna we wanna try and go to Argentina. I remember when you were writing me and you were saying you're gonna come down, I was like, Okay, stop writing yeah. me uh, about yeah. it. And, you know, <laughs> and I was like, it. All right. You know, it just took me a little while. Couldn't make it. And now I wow. see that you made it to Costa Rica instead. <laughs> yeah. Now when you guys go back down there, we'll um once COVID's over and we can plan it now that my wife's here and I don't have to spend all my vacation going to visit her, then we can actually plan it and we'll just fly down and stop. Or you guys can come up to Costa Rica and fucking, uh, we'll do like a, like my a wife beach. would love to go to Costa Rica. I'll tell you. Oh dude, there's this place it's called uh Baldi, B A L D I. And it's uh there's a volcano, Vulcan, Vulcan Arenal. And, uh, it, it, 
the magma under the ground heats the water. And it's like, it kind of reminds me of like Bush Gardens, but it's hot springs. And it, it, at the very top is the hottest. It's like a gradual slope down to the bottom, but there's probably 20, 30, 40 different pools, hot tubs, waterfalls. You can, you can get swim up to bars in the water and drink and they've got like mineral uh, parts to it. And it's just, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Dude. I love it there. Like celebrities and shit from America go there. It's, it's really, really cool. And then the, the cloud for, I mean, I can go on and on. I, I, I really see, do love uh, has, it down there. Has your wife told you anything about how, how they're reacting to COVID and stuff like that down there? Yeah. I, they, they're pretty strict about it. Like they locked everything down mm-hmm. and their, their deaths and shit like that aren't as bad as ours are somehow, but uh, I'm sure they don't have a lying, smaller controlling, man, smaller country, but manip- they don't have the manipulative fake news that like we do. And that's another thing, dude. Like I was down there for their last presidential election. So we walked across the street from my wife's house into uh, the school where the voting district was. They wouldn't even let me in the fucking building because I didn't have a Costa Rican ID, dude. I just stand outside like a schmuck. No, like sorry. how the fuck... I got four, three or four different mail-in ballots in my mail. Like, how do you explain that? Who's checking to make sure I didn't vote yeah, for somebody you four times the other in a day? Row? I was actually going to follow up and ask you about that. I know it's your mm-hmm. podcast, but I wanted to ask you about that. What did, I mean, have you uh, tried to reach out to somebody? <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, I just, I threw I them away. for you. Yeah, what do you ahead. think is going to happen now that election fraud is officially being completely destroyed the entire idea of it or even talking about it what do you think is going to happen to all the people that that had signed sworn affidavits that they had seen election fraud who can face a a punishment for perjury i believe well it depends on which administration gets gets into office if it's the democrats and probably nothing you think they're going to get targeted It's hard to say. I mean, the IRS went after people under fucking Barry Sotoro's presidency, you know, for the, uh, yeah, for the, um, for whatever, like he targeted the Tea Party. Yeah, whatever. Uh, anybody they used the, they weaponized the DOJ, the FBI, and the IRS, and they spied on the incoming presidential candidate. Who knows what they can do? They do the Patriot Act fucking allowed so much more. They're cra- coming out with another one. Yeah. Well, they just renewed the last one. And <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. You know who wrote the original Patriot Act? Uh, Donald Rumsfeld, maybe, part, partly. I don't know. Joe Biden. No. Did he really? I think I think he was involved with it. Well, he was involved. I don't with, think he wrote the whole thing, obviously. Well, I'm sure they all but were. I think he was definitely involved with it. He was involved with the, the assault weapons ban under the Clinton administrations when you couldn't have AR-15s or semi-automatic rifles. And fucking, you got these assholes on Facebook. Nobody's coming to take your guns, bro. Calm down. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. I could literally. Even worse, even worse, even worse is why do you need those guns? Doesn't matter. (laughs) What I, what I'd have and what I need is none of your fucking business. You want to know what's funny? Because we live in a social media world. Once in a while, I'll see people say, I'm sick of tired. I'm sick and tired of people talking about their freedoms. Oh yeah. That gets me going too. Your rights, your rights. Nobody's coming. Nobody's, you know, that's the tactic, dude. That's what they're brainwashing these kids in school to believe that rights are selfish and racist. And that's far right bullshit. And it's only a matter of time before it's too far gone past the tipping point. You know, it's definitely past, man. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, people are kind of sleeping on it. 
I'm not trying to incite anything. No, of course not. I think that, uh, but it, it should have been crushed back in the, in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. 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 The military industrial complex, fucking Eisenhower. I mean, think about it. Yeah. It should have been crushed. Not talking like the hippies or, or anything like that. Just talking about Americans. Nah, I do. And the funny thing about it is you got all these, uh, liberal hippies, you know, they're like 60, 70 years old. They think that they're trying to, they, they still think they're trying to bring people back from Vietnam when they're talking about the context of the world, of the country that we're living in today. These people have no idea. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. No, and they're blind. They're kind of just I'll... stuck in this ideology that they, that they had back in the good old days. Yeah. And they're stuck. I in mean, the... they could have crushed it. They could have, but th that's... These people are stuck in their echo chambers. They're worried about getting the new iPhone every six months. They're they're blind to this. And then if you say anything or you're like, hey, we're losing our fucking rights. They're like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, right wing, alt, fucking whatever the fuck terms they got going now. Well, yeah, it's the titles. It's a, it's a psychological warfare. You know, you put these titles on people and then you mix it with cancel culture and yep. all kinds of crazy shit. Dude, this country you know, trying to make people feel bad about Paris and trying to make people feel bad about the shooting that happened or the earthquake or this or that. It's like, dude, you know, mortality. It's mortality. It's insanity. It's humanity. It is. <laughs> I mean, fucking people die. After the third, fourth year of Iraq, people in this country stopped caring about it. Oh, yeah. They went from fucking supporting it full fucking batter ram for it yep. then they became disgusted with it well and then you start charging people and then they murder forgot and, fucking... and we were still there yeah well we're still in <laughs> afghanistan dude exactly man it, it only took like four or five years for people just to be completely i hate this this word doesn't even sound respectful enough for it to describe it but bored yeah you know bored with everything Bored to the point where they they could uh, where they get sensitive about everything. They turn into fucking Nazis. It's crazy. The SD, you know uh, what happened at the Capitol? For me, it's just if you if you read history. I mean, I know a lot of people that listen to your podcast probably do. I mean, who's thinking the the Reichstag fire? You know, yeah. who's thinking um, Crystal Knox? Crystal Knox, yep. Back in uh, the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're comparing it to. I've seen it compared to that. When they're burning everything. I mean, this is weird. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go completely crazy conspiracy theory on it, but history repeats itself, man. No, it does. This is the most powerful country in the world. The capabilities that we have, it is scary, scary shit. No, it is. And I'm sorry to come back to that. To that <laughs> I apologize. So what do you, what are your goals for 2021? My goals for 2021 is I'm moving my family down South. South as in South United States? No, we're thinking, uh, probably I would like to go back to Argentina, to be honest with you. Okay. The economy there is falling apart. You should go to Venezuela. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have to expect anything. <laughs> yeah. Just take a couple of dogs. You just with go it, there so you guys you're just like, eat. okay, I'm poor. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We're thinking probably Tennessee or Texas. Nice. I would, uh, that's a hard one. They're both good places. Tennessee's a little bit less liberal, 
I say I say that maybe not. It depends on where you're at. Any city you want to stay away from, you know. I like Asheville, North Carolina, but that's a super liberal hellhole too, you know. Asheville, I heard, has went really downhill. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the, the yes. But there's a place in South Carolina. It's called um, Jesus Christ. I can't believe I forgot the name. It's one of those villes, which seems like a really nice city. It's like really modern. More closer to the mountains, more closer to the border with a uh, closer to Tennessee. Mm. Cherokee? Greenville. Okay. Oh, Greenville. South Carolina. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Greenville, South Carolina look, seems like a really nice place to live. Well, that's, that's awesome. No, that's awesome, dude. I, uh, getting to a good, uh, wrapping up point here. I got to go down and let my dog out pretty soon. But, uh, any closing words for, uh, our military listeners or anything? Anything. My most embarrassing moment in the Marine Corps? Yeah, let's do that. I forgot all about that. The time I got dry humped, raped, borderline raped by Jason Gaioni. <laughs> I reached out to him a while back and tried to get him to come on. He had no interest whatsoever, but he would be. How's I, he doing? I don't, I, I'm not huh? close with him like that, but I guess he's doing good. He said he's got a lot of shit going on. He's got a family and, you know, he's always going to be one of those successful dudes. You know what I mean? So, nah, he's a good kid. Yeah, he was. I, I always looked up to him for sure. But would you do it all over again? Would I do the Marine Corps all over again? Mm-hmm. I probably would have stayed in. Yeah, me too. I would have went into something more specialized like snipers after sniper school and, you know, recon, MARSOC, something like that. That's one of my biggest regrets. If I hadn't stayed in, I probably would have taken up that roughnecking offer that they were giving all of us. And I probably would have. That was over with my generation. Them. Yeah, troops to roughnecks, but, but especially now that uh, Donald Trump brought energy back to the United States, we'd be getting rich right now. Well, it's all dried up right now. All my oil friends, some of my friends that work in Colorado are fucking dying, dude. And then Biden's going to kill it. So, I mean, it's only a matter of time, you know. Well, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, if we all like, OK, maybe this is my positive message. I know that this is a podcast to help people. And I definitely don't want to be a a bad energy kind of person. Concentrate on your families. We all got to do it. Our first responsibility is to them, taking care of them. Work hard like you always do. Oh, I agree. Just um, enjoy the time that you have with them. Fucking don't worry about this shit. If it, if you have a, it doesn't matter your political views. Maybe you're not worried about it. Maybe you think it's the greatest thing in the world. Me, I think it's probably not going to be that great. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to do what I have to do for my family and and keep everything running smoothly in my house. I agree. That's all that matters. I agree. Well, listen, brother, thank you for taking the time to do this, man. It was awesome. And uh, I wish you and your family the best of luck. And we'll stay in touch, all right? Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry I'm a bad uh, podcast guest. Oh, no, we had a good time. <laughs> I had a good time, dude. But uh, Hey, man. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. All right, brother. See you. for tuning in to the Dogs of War.